Welcome to Advancing the Agenda. I'm your host, Michael Abramson. Today, we will be continuing our series of interviewing candidates seeking the Republican nomination for the United States House of Representatives in Georgia's 6th District. Our guest today is Blake Harbin. Raised in Georgia, Blake has worked in the financial industry for more than 20 years and has built numerous small businesses. Initially, Blake focused on transportation sales and financing, and then transitioned to residential and commercial mortgage lending. This led Blake to starting his own financial services company in 2017. Currently, Blake serves as the CEO and president of Housel Financial, which supports clients seeking mortgage loans across the Southeast. Blake's expertise and hard work ethic in this sector has enabled hundreds of families to create a source of wealth and stability in a home of their own. Having lived in the heart of Georgia's sixth congressional district for decades, Blake has successfully partnered with a logistics company, a manufacturing company in Roswell, and others in addition to running his own mortgage business. Blake's favorite quote is, there are talkers and there are doers, and he takes it to heart every day. Born to a single teenage mother in a house with holes in the floor, he learned from an early age that hard work, not handouts, was the key to securing the future for his own family. As a doer, Blake is the last person in the office every day, helping others achieve their own American dreams. He can often be found unifying people to accomplish a common goal, whether it be in business, politics, or in the community he cherishes. Blake is passionate about serving with organizations like the American Legion, spearheading initiatives with Georgia farmers during the COVID pandemic to provide access to fresh produce to families in the metro area and hosting the United States Marine Corps Toys for Tots annually to help children in need. He serves on the board of the Cottage School, which helps children that learn differently. Blake is also actively involved in other organizations, including the Fraternal Order of Eagles, the NRA, Ducks Unlimited, the Alzheimer's Foundation, Marine Corps Coordinating Council of Georgia, Sheep Dog Impact Assistance Supporting Veterans, and the Boy Scouts of America. Currently, Blake is running for Georgia's 6th Congressional District to bring his extensive small business experience and dedication to serving the people of the district. Blake, welcome to Advancing the Agenda. Thank you so much for having me. Well, my first question is, why are you running for Congress? I'm running for Congress because of the state of what our country is in. We have gotten so divided. We've just had absolutely horrible and terrible failed leadership that continuously takes place, whether it be on the world policy stage, such as Afghanistan or Ukraine, or it's, you know, right here at home, you know, America first, Georgia first you know, uh, securing our borders and, you know, getting back to our energy independence. You know, there's a lot of these nuances that are impacting Americans heavily, you know, and you sit there and you, and you just, you just take a look at it. And I'm over here, I'm looking at, you know, my son who was an Air Force veteran or is an Air Force veteran. And I also look at, you know, my grandson and what, you know, what, what kind of world is he going to be coming into? I mean, we've got uh, a debt that's exceeded over $30 trillion now, and we can't 
we just can't keep going with this uh, with this wasteful and excessive spending. You know, the, there's a lot going on. Um, you know, it's so much of uh, I would even you know a little background, I guess, why on why I run is, you know, we all serve in different ways. Both of my parents went to Afghanistan um, and helped topple topple Osama bin Laden, and you know, the, the, when my accident happened in 07, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was pretty devastating to say the least. And gone from an executive to being at home with my mother. And, you know, the one thing I can say though, that happened was, so on the, I guess it was right around on my accident, when it, uh, after it happened, out of the respect for my stepfather and respect for a, a, a speedy recovery for me, all the guys uh, came in and uh, they flew a flag at half mass in my honor, in my honor, uh, over Bagram Airfield. And <laughs> right, and it, and it's still it's still kind of you know it uh, it can tear me up. <laughs> to this day and the guys all uh, signed a picture and you know and they sent everything they sent everything back including the flag and it's like man you, you stop and look at this and it's like i owe i owe and i'm here to pay it back and i'm going to use everything in my arsenal to do just that and that's, that's why that's an that's an amazing story so what do you feel are your your qualifications and greatest strengths so my greatest strengths are the ability to unite people. And then I've also got a tremendous know-how and in my background, such as whether it be logistics or whether it be, you know, from a financial standpoint um, or even the manufacturing standpoint. These are things that I understand. I own two small companies now. Um, and we've just started a, uh, or we're in the process of starting a third. We just got clearance um, to transport hazardous materials out of the ports. And we're putting a semi-truck on the road so we can help with our supply chain issues. A lot of folks that get up here and they want to run and they want to, you know, it's, an, it's another check in their box, you know, on a resume or whatnot. But I just, I'm not there doing that. I'm there, as I said, I don't like to talk about a whole lot of it. I just like to go out and do it. I'm ready to get to work. And that's why I say there are talkers and there are doers. I can, you know, I, I can show you, you know, uh, a demonstration over and over again of how I cut when I come and I join the calls and I fight back with the calls and I fight back with know-how. You know, we can all be angry, we can all be passionate, and that's how I really understand. But you've also got to have some know-how and uh, in order to truly turn our country back around. Is there, uh, is there anything else you want to highlight from your professional or volunteer background? Oh, I mean, sure. I mean, look, so, you know, look, I empower people every day and I create jobs. I'm the only person in the race that does, that does this. Um, you know, uh, I give people opportunities that they may not have, uh, may not have otherwise had. Uh, I've even been, it's even as I've grown, and I think that's something where, and this is in my professional background, that people sometimes don't know, and it's also 
something that happens way too often in Congress is people forget where they came from and they don't understand that about what putting people people first truly is. And I do understand that. I understand that because I lived it. I had to do it. You know, there was a time when we weren't even going to be able to make payroll and I had to go sell my uh, sell my truck just to make payroll because my responsibility was to my people. Those people relied on me to to provide for their families and keep food on the table. So I just think you get a different perspective when you truly have and continue to uh, continue to put people first. And that's what we've got to get back to. And we have strayed so far from that. Um, you know, like I said, I've got a logistics background. I've got, um, so I, I actually know how to fix supply chains. It's not a theory. We know what to do because we, we've done it. Uh, the one on the financial side, I mean, we understand about lending and whatnot and how, and how things work in the uh, financial markets. And because why we do it every day. That's the that's the difference between it's a difference between me and the other guys. I understand uh, how to do manufacturing. Uh, one that's one of the other companies I own is a it's a, a small ammunition manufacturing company, you know. And I will continue to uh, obviously grow that, but you know I would point this out as well as we say, hey, what do you say versus you do? Well, in in my professional world or whatever, when everything was going down um, with COVID. One of the things that I did is uh, I helped over 50 companies uh, with the PPP and EIDL loans so they could get funded, so they could keep paying their people. We saved a few thousand jobs by doing this. And That's I did this great. for free. That's great. You know, well, it, go ahead. Uh, just, to, just to switch topics, if, uh, unless you want to continue, um, since, since the race does not feature an incumbent, can you speak with me generically about the Democrats and their performance? Well, the Democratic performance, where they are right now, is definitely where, <laughs> not a place that they need to be. Um, this infusion of spending is, uh, you know, it's just, it's just, it, it's just like monopoly money. It's just a, just a complete disregard of any sort of financial responsibility, and that's what's causing you know, our record high inflation. I mean, shoot, in Atlanta, uh, you know, we were, it was just released that last month, we were number two in the nation for inflation. We are, our inflation was over 10%. And that, co that comes from overspending. And just because it's not, it's not adding up. You have to live within your means. So in the, you know, it's like every child is taught this. How is it that our country doesn't seem to understand this? So, you know, one of the first things we got to do is we've got to start, uh, you know, balancing our budget and getting things back, you know, and that's, and I think that's what we're going to see a, a whole lot of is the, you know, because many of the Democrats are not going to get reelected because people are tired of it. We're sick of it. We want those outsiders coming in. And I am that outsider. I am the same guy that will come in and I actually, I will get to work for the American people. You know, it's kind of funny if you stop and think about this for a second. The, if you look at the history of the last outsider that came in, obviously President Trump, he paved a new way. He did things from a business perspective. Look, not everything was perfect. No one is, no one, and no one is. Um, 
But what he did do and his policies really perpetuated what our country is. He, what he saw was during his tenure anyways, is he was able to keep inflation down. He, our economy was growing. Our inflation rate was 1.9%. That's normal. That's calm. That's keeping, that's keeping America moving. Well, then we went back and we decided to go put an establishment politician in that's supposed to be uniting and all great on world policy. Well, guess what? We got record high gas prices from many of the executive orders that Biden signed. We have the highest inflation that we've seen since the 70s. And, you know, and we're on the brink of World War III. We couldn't, I mean, we literally left the Taliban with almost $90 billion worth of equipment. And we left American citizens behind. So what are the Democrats doing? <laughs> they're, they're destroying our country. But, we, but it's just, it's not, and the everyday American isn't that way. It's the one we're in office. All right. Well, I, I would like, thank you for that. I'd like to transition to just some general topics, and it'd be great if you could discuss the importance of the topic and, and what your plans are to address it. And the first is America's economy, which, which I think you've already touched upon a little bit, but if you could go into more detail a little bit with inflation and then supply chain, the supply chain crisis, which I think would be great given, given your background in that area. Well, you know, believe it or not, it's not a rocket science thing. The first thing to do is to stop mandating people Stop making them, you know, get the get the vaccines and whatnot, because that's still being enforced at the ports because the ports are most of the ports in this country are controlled by TSA. So they're still adhering to that. So guess what? You got folks not showing up to work. I mean, that's one of the biggest part of it. If you, if you take if you go to a satellite image right now, you will see a massive amount of cargo ships just sitting at anchor just waiting to be able to come in. So the only way you're going to get this inflate from an inflation perspective, and the only way you're going to start getting that under control is to start meeting the demand. So once we start increasing the supply, we will slow down inflation. Yes, we also have to raise interest rates ever so slightly. But, and then most importantly, we have to stop spending. Okay. And then anything else you'd like to say about the supply chain issue? Well, the supply chain could definitely be resolved if we started unloading the ships. But there's another thing that there's another great way to solve a lot of the supply chain issues. Um, and that's called getting manufacturing back in our country. You know, it's just like, look, I don't care if you wear a mask, you do or you don't. That's your thing. But the reality of it is, is during that time, if you wanted a mask, you couldn't get one. Why couldn't you get one? Because it was manufactured outside of this country. I mean, it's no different than the car, the chip shortage that we're having right now. We don't make things in America anymore. And that's what we've got to bring back. We've got to start bringing back America. We start bringing America back for Americans. And, you know, that's what I really want to do. And you look at your, our, our, even down to our pharmaceuticals. I mean, 30% of them are made here. The other 70% are not. So what does that tell you? I mean, there are other, these other, several of these other countries, which is China mostly, um, 
they kind of got us by the boo-boo. And that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing at all. I mean, they could cut us off and then where would we be? But if we bring our own manufacturing back and we're over here made in America again, that's when we're really going to start seeing those supply chains go away or the supply chain problem, excuse me. Well, let's shift to a, 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 an economy tangential question, and that is, that is taxes. What you want to do with the individual tax rate and the corporate tax rate? Well, you know, we are going to have to cut taxes. There's never been a time in history when we haven't cut ta taxes and businesses started thriving. And when businesses thrive, the American people thrive because that raises their wages. You know, we've got the stuff that goes on right now is, yes, some wages are going up on the, from a simple demand perspective. But the problem is the inflation has outpaced it. So, I mean, that's what a big issue. That's why we've got to cut the taxes where, you know, Biden keeps trying to raise them and continues to do to do it. You know, I don't think they, it seems like they continue to forget about the American people. 65% of this nation is employed by small businesses. And those are businesses less than 500 people. And many of them are your mom and pop shops every day, you know, that may employ anywhere from five to 25 people. And those people, they feel it. They feel this inflation. Because when they got to go and they got to go spend $125 to fill their truck up, you're feeling that inflation. Man, it's definitely a great point that you bring up about the inflation rising faster than wages. I want to shift to, uh, the, to the topic of COVID-19. It looks like hopefully that the COVID-19 is out, but uh, is on its way out. But if you could talk about vaccine mandates for adults and kids and mask mandates for adults and kids as well. Uh, what's your position on that? I mean, my position is that we shouldn't have those mandates. If you want to get vaccinated, get vaccinated. If you don't, you don't. If you want to wear, if you want to wear a mask, wear one. If you don't want to, don't. And we have to stop persecuting the people that think differently than us. You know, I, I can't tell you how they're like, oh, we're you know, you're causing harm to the people around you because you're not wearing a mask. Well, guess what? A little piece of cloth wasn't ever blocking it. The N95s barely do it. So we weren't prohibiting anything. Mm -hmm. The only thing we were doing was prohibiting our children from learning and being, because, you know, children need to see those facial expressions, that body language. They don't understand that, at least not at their age. And you know, the kids do better in, because they have to create social skills. I mean, last week, last I checked, the human race is a social, is a, is a social race. It's a social people, and that's what we are. And so if we can't have our young ones to be able to function in society appropriately, we're going down a real bad and arduous path. And we don't, and we cannot go down that. And that's why we have to fix it. Okay. Well, great. Thank you. I want to shift to another, another social issue, and that's crime in America, crime in Atlanta, um, not technically in your district is the city of Atlanta, but of course, people from your district come to Atlanta to work and uh, for recreation. And crime is just 
just exploding. What, what would you like to do about that as a member of the House? Well, the biggest thing I believe that we can do to have that, in, that impact to start with is secure our borders, point blank. You know, at Alpharetta specifically, and most of the northern metro area has a problem with sex trafficking. Um, and then we also have a huge issue with the, um, the, uh, the opioid crisis and uh, specifically fentanyl, where it's, you know, killing more people uh, in the ages of 18 to 45 than any other disease. Now, I want you to think about this for one second. Back in the 80s, you know, we had the whole uh, uh, the cocaine epidemic and we, we launched on a national scale a say no to drugs campaign and, uh, and, and, and fighting back. And here's the funny part about it. Those deaths, well, absolutely horrible, were still at around 10,000 per year. Now we're over 10 times that and nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to point this out. We have to stop this. And you stop this by not letting illegals come in and securing your borders. They need to go. If somebody wants to come in, claim asylum, whatnot, we have procedures for that. They need to enter in by a legal entry of port. And then they file their paperwork and then they wait outside of the country, not come in, get a court date and, oh, hope you come back. If not, no big deal. I mean, they even put out recently that you could even use your arrest warrant as a form of ID. And so here's that, here's that problem with crime. We're emboldening these people. We are emboldening them to come over and commit these crimes because of a failure to act. You look at a different a comparison. All right, let's look at Atlanta. Our homicide rate continues to rise. I mean, we, apparently we are trying to work our way back to number one, but that's because of failed leadership. Why does the city of Buckhead want to split off? Because of failed leadership. You have to, a country's number one duty is to protect its citizens. And what we're doing right now is we are failing that. We are failing miserable. And that's where it comes into play of putting the right members, uh, the, the right leaders in place, the ones that have the know-how, the ones that can also keep funding our police. Our police always need help. I mean, Atlanta, Atlanta stretched thin. The governors even had to bring in the Georgia State Patrol trying to help because, unfortunately, the previous mayor just completely refused to. She completely refused to do anything. And, you know, when I take a look around, I mean, look, I've been in Georgia since I was three years old. This is not the home that I grew up in. You know, when I was growing up, we didn't have to worry about going out to a golf course and, you know, being murdered, such as what happened over, you know, and this is in the suburbs, you know, uh, I had a neighbor the other day, I was going by to just see how he was, his dad had passed a little while ago, and uh, he, he come, I go to talk to him, and he says, well, I'd be good other than this, I'm like, other than this, what are you talking about, and he lifts up his leg, lifts up his pant leg, and I was like, oh my goodness, that looks like sepsis, and he said, yeah, it was, and uh, I was like, so what happened? He's like, I got shot. Oh my gosh. Right. I'm like, what do you mean you got shot? He's like, well, I took my girlfriend down to Atlanta 
and we, you know, for a nice dinner. And I can't, when I came out, I caught a stray bullet right through my calf. Wow. But wow. that's the thing that we've gotten to. Oh, incredible. Terrible. You know, oh. we want to fight and we want to chase these, you know, the, with the whole January 6th thing that came out. We're going back and reviewing every piece of video evidence. And, uh, you know, we're not even letting most of these guys have a speedy trial, which is a total violation of their constitutional rights. We're doing all these things for, for January 6th, but all of a sudden we have just conveniently forgotten about the riots of, in 2020, where people's livelihoods were destroyed, where <laughs> were obviously tons of property damage and everything like that. But we're not, we don't go back and, and, and get those people. Those are the people that you really need to get. I, I mean, they, their crimes were pretty blatant. Why, if you look, if you're going to prosecute to this level, it must be fair. It must be equal and abide by the law. And that is what is continuing to not happen. Everything is trying to be politicized. And this isn't politicized. These are people. These are the American people that have a right to happiness as endowed by our creators. Well, you, you touched briefly on, on immigration. Would you say that you are in favor of completing the wall? Oh, I'm 100% in, in favor of completing the wall. Um, you know, it's kind of funny. I, I hear, you know, oh, okay, you know, build a, you know, build a 10 foot wall. I'll, I'll, I'll show you a 12 foot ladder. Okay, fair enough. But when's the last time you scaled your neighbor's fence? <laughs> you know, the whole funny way to think of it. Yeah, think, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> People forget about that. <laughs> but you know, as, as as the argument comes up, what the wall does is it going to stop every little nook and cranny? No, it's not. But it is going to funnel people in to certain places where it can be manageable. Right. We don't need to rate waste resources, a large amount of re resources, because we can't finish a wall. We can't finish a wall that we've already paid for, that the material is sitting there, and they won't even let Governor Abbott out of Texas to be able to use that material because they say that's federal land, that's federal material. Then use it then. Somebody needs to. It doesn't need to just sit there and, and wither away. Yeah, so, yeah. It is. It is a pre pretty amazing when you think about the resources that have already been committed to it. Um, I mean, if you want to stop building the wall, you know, I would at least finish what you have. Um, pretty amazing. Yeah, uh, and, and bear in mind, the American people have already paid for this. Yeah. So what's you know he Biden's gotten up there with his whole build back better plan, and the only thing he was building back was debt. And he tried to say it was paid for. Well, here's something that it really is paid for. It really already has been covered. And you spent the American people's money. That's mm -hmm. their hard-earned dollars. And that's what these guys forget. They think it just comes, it's like, it's, it's just a fake thing. It's not real. It's just a number on a sheet of paper. Well, I got news for you. When you go up to go fill your gas tank up or you need to go buy some medication. Let me know if that's fake, because it's not. And the, the everyday Americans are suffering. And I know about it because I've been there. I came from there. 
I know what government cheese is, unfortunately. I know what it's like to come from nothing. But the beauty of America is if we work hard enough, we can get there. But we have to stop with this, you know, what they're doing right now with this excessive spending. And it's, like I said, it is killing us because wages can't even keep up with it. Well, that's a, that's a, that's a great message. And it, ties into our next topic of education. Uh, you talked about how you, you built yourself up um, into, the, into the business owner that you are. And I would imagine that you would credit the education system with a lot of that. Um, I would like your comments on the education system today, uh, specifically CRT and other topics that you'd like to discuss. Okay. Um, yeah, well, a CRT is a terrible, terrible, idea. Um, you know, it's also known as whatever project 1619. And all that does is perpetuate that if you're a person of color, you're a victim. And if you're, you know, a white child, then you're an oppressor. That's, <laughs> we're supposed to be teaching our kids how to think, not what to think. This indoctrination has to stop. And look, I understand this. I really do. I was, a, you know, I was a single father for a long time. And when I got full custody of my son, you know, I had to work directly with the folks because he was coming from a real bad place when I was finally able to get it. And that's a, that's a story for a different day. But I mean, this kid was expelled. This kid, uh, you know, was, go, was on a beeline to jail. But I worked lo locally and it started with his middle school with his vice principal. And we sat down and we laid out a plan and and we followed it. And this young man went on went on to be able to who was writing on about a third grade level when we got him. To going into Mississippi State, you know, that's an it's a huge engineering school and ultimately going into the Air Force. Mm, that's great. Great story. Good, good, good for him. Good for you. Um, see, that's where education. That's why I said education comes into play. And this is the other thing. When I when I say I do it, I also sit on the board of a private school of where children learn differently. We have everything from fourth grade to twelfth grade. We have two hundred and seventy five students with a wait list. We're trying to build buildings as fast as we can, but all the but these kids that come in, they have everything from dyslexia to Asperger's and autism. And you know what? If you work into our education system and you work with them and the parents are involved, the differences that are made can be made are huge. We have to get back to working together. We've got kids that are getting into MIT. We've got kids getting full scholarships to you know esports and we're supposed to you know so many of the so many people look at these kids as discards and that's not what they are just because a kid may be bad today and not it's not even a bad kid it's just a kid trying to understand and learn or a kid that maybe learns differently such as what i see every day if we show them if we show them that they can be whatever they want to be, that they can get to that American dream. And the limits are only set by how much work 
they put in. If we start showing them that again, we've got a great future. If we don't, we're going down a real bad path and it's going to be a disaster. That's a, that's a, that's a great inspiring message. Uh, the last topic that I wanted to discuss was foreign policy. When I originally started interviewing candidates, the, the questions were about Afghanistan and China. Now we know that the, the world has changed a little bit. So if you could first talk about Ukraine and then, then the other areas that are problem areas in the world. Well, I mean, the thing about, you know, Ukraine, it's a, man, it's a terrible, it's a terrible situation. And so much of it comes from our failure to act. And it goes, and it does go back. It stems back to our exit of Afghanistan because the world is no longer looking at us as they once did. What do you think China's doing right now as they're sitting here and seeing all of this? They're blatantly disregarding and going against, going against us. You know why? Because they're, they're waiting. They're sitting over here. Let's keep watching on how America and NATO reacts so we can go invade Taiwan again. That's just, that's just not okay. But this is where that failed policy comes into, you know? But I will say this, you know, we talk about some of these things as, as or I do anyways, as talkers and doers. Well, you know, when Biden left all those American citizens behind, I got a call to get some folks out. And it was one of the most difficult things I've ever done. But I got six folks out. Hmm. Four of them, or five, they were, they were kids. They were kids and they were American citizens. But we left them behind. The Taliban was going door to door for them. The, young, the youngest little girl didn't even speak for almost a month because she was so traumatized from trying to get there. We had 13 soldiers die that day. 13. And it was unnecessarily. A lot of people don't, under, don't recall this particular part in the, how much you're watching our country. But we had not had a single incident in the 18 months leading up to that day. We have bases all over the country. I mean, excuse me, all over the world. And we have them for reasons. And it's what you see. Look, I'm not going to send when you go back to this Ukraine thing. I'm not I, I cannot in good conscience send our American soldiers back over there. I would not do that because that is our that is our that is our young people. But can we help them in other ways? Yes, we can. And there's a reason that we have to. We cannot let Russia continue to go down this path that it has been going down. It, uh, it, it literally almost seems as, as if Putin is <laughs> just trying to put the USSR back. And that's just to begin with. You know, there was somebody else that, uh, that uh, many, many years ago, it had a very similar mentality. And most of us know, most of us know, know him as Adolf Hitler. And we saw where that went when it goes left unchecked. And that's what we have been doing way too much of. We're not looking or we don't care or I, I, I honestly, I don't even understand what this inaction is on our current administration. What, you know? what, would, what would you suggest that they do? The administration well, does. 
Well, one thing you have to get back and project strength again, not become a la- a laughable a laughable country. I mean, look, you you've probably you may or may not have seen. I don't know. There, you know, if you've ever looked at the uh, the recruitment videos from Russia, from China, ours is about what bathroom they're going to use. And we need diversity and inclusion. Look, I get it. Yeah, we need diversity. And we do include our, our soldiers, but that's not what we're trying. That, that's what soldiers are there to protect us. Those are the guys and ladies that are on those front lines that allow you to sleep on your my pillow at night. They say, hey, on my watch, I got you. And that's the same thing I'm trying to do for the American people right now. And I am the best candidate to do it because I will tell you, on my watch, I got you. I'm not going to, I will not falter. I will not give in. And what about China? What are you, what, what are your opinions on what we should do over there or in regards to China? Well, the, big, the biggest thing is get rid of our dependence on them. And that's bringing that, that's bringing that manufacturing back. So and that's, that's, that's manufacturing, that's manufacturing goods. That's manufacturing pharmaceuticals. You know, we have to, it needs to, we have to level that playing field back out again. Okay, fine. Maybe we need to import certain things, but a lot of them we don't. They can be made right here in the USA. So when you remove that dependence, the whole game changes. Well, that sort of brought, brought everything full circle in the interview. Uh, as we as we close, um, could you please tell us how to how people can get involved with your campaign and any campaign updates that you'd like to share? Um, yeah, so the, obviously you can get involved on our um, at uh, blakeharbin.com. That's B-L-A-K-E-H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N.com. You can make a donation there. Look, I've injected a lot of my own money into this and I will inject more because I believe in it and I believe that it is that necessary. But we do need help. So if you would like to support us and volunteer with us, uh, you know, it would be greatly appreciated as we take our country back, because that's what we have to do. We are in dire circumstances. So I will give you a quick one little quick uh, uh, update that we you know, we were able to do uh, yesterday. My whole day changed yesterday from what it originally was or what was planned. But I have we had some folks that uh, were trying to get their grandmother out of Ukraine. And through a whole lot of phone calls and putting out a whole lot of pressure on all on all sorts of different people, whether they be Republican or Democrats. Well, guess what? We got grandma on a train from Poland or excuse me, from Ukraine to Warsaw. And we got the expedited passport set up for the granddaughter and grandson to go and pick them up. That's excellent. But see, that's the talker and doing thing. Well, that that is that is great. That is a that is a great way to to end the interview. Blake, thank you so much for joining us. Just really enjoyed it. Oh, I pre I, I appreciate appreciate it. And just remember, experience matters in the real world. Equal result, equal, equal opportunities for everyone, but equal results are have to be earned. Okay. 
Thank you, and I look forward to speaking with everyone next time on Advancing the Agenda.